power and the pursuit of power has always have held fascination in our society, in our culture. And as I looked around, I realized that really there are basically three groups of people. There are those who are impressed with power, and they really stand in awe of power. And, and then there are those who are working all their life to pursue power and trying to get power. And the problem is that power is like a bar of wet soap. Every time you try to grab it, it gets away from you. And then there is a third group of people who think that they have the power. I heard about two American Indians who were communicating with each other in the state of Nevada, but they were communicating through smoke signals. You know, obviously they can do that. I don't never understand how it works, but they do. One was perched on top of a hill, and the other one on the other hill in the valley between them. And the one person would just send some smoke signals up in the air, and the other one responds to it. And one sends some more smoke signal, and the other one responds to him. And that went on for a while. In the nearby desert, the U.S. government was doing some nuclear testing. And all of a sudden... A huge blast of dust came up. And the Indian looked over there and he said, Wow, I wish I could talk like that. (laughs) Now that's power. (laughs) Power and the fascination with it has always been part of human nature. Calvin Coolidge, the 30th president of the United States, found himself one day on an Indian reservation speaking to an American Indian tribe, and they were people who are really in the midst of suffering. They have not had rain in months. The native medicine men, the the rain makers, and all, they danced, they did their magic, but nothing was happening. The skies were cloudless, and the crops were going to ruin. And Calvin Coolidge was looking at the faces of depressed group of American Indians, and he began to speak like most politicians, he said, don't think that I in Washington have not been aware of your situation. Don't think that I haven't been wondering what I could do to help you. Don't think that I have not been praying to the Almighty God for guidance. Whereupon a veritable cloud burst, literally descended upon the horrified, surprised, but delighted crowd. And the president himself got drenched until they got him under shelter. And as he watched the rain pouring, he turned to one of his aides and said, Gosh, I didn't know I had it in me. (laughs) Well, today I want to talk to you about the power that God has given to every believer. But the believers somehow in this generation have not realized what the importance of that power is. That power that the scripture talks about, that is working in the life of believers, the Bible said, is the same power that has raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Now think about the power of that power for a moment. The parable of the leaven is all about power. It is about the transforming power of God. It is about the real lasting power and not the temporary power that is of Glorified by a secular society. This parable is about how God's power, when it is working in the weakest among us and through the least among us, can be a formidable power that no one can defeat. 
Now, if you are fascinated by power, if you are intimidated by power, I want you to listen very carefully to this message about the real power and how to get it and how to use it and how to activate it. Turn with me, please, to Matthew 13, verse 33. In verse 33 of Matthew 13, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. Until it was all leavened. Jesus does not give us an explanation of this parable like he does with other parables. But I can promise you there is not a single disciple who was listening to him. That did not understand what he was talking about. Did not understand the things that he was describing. Because back then there was not a single home in ancient Palestine that a woman did not bake the bread in the house. They didn't have these modern day gizmos where you put all the ingredients in one end and you get bread on the other end. Women were constantly baking bread in large quantities because bread was the major food. In fact, in some incidents, it's the only food that they had. And the way they made bread was this. A woman would keep a little bit of the dough and would put it in a nice warm spot. And four or five days later, when she is making a new batch, after she mixes the flour with the water, she opens kind of in the middle a little gap and then puts that little small piece that she had kept from the previous kneading and puts it in and then cover it and leave it for a little while. And that dough becomes so large, sometimes up to three times the original size of the dough. That is the way the leaven or the yeast would ferment in that batch of dough, in order to make bread. The smallest piece of leaven or yeast, given enough time, it pervades the entire batch. The small piece of leaven would penetrate every particle of the dough. A small quantity of leaven can have a transforming influence upon the entire batch. This small piece of leaven, says Jesus, works silently, but it works persistently in impacting the entire dough. Now, the three measures uh, specifically is an ephah in the Old Testament. That is the measure by which most households use to make bread. In fact, in the Old Testament, it is that ephah or equal to a bushel of flour is the amount of flour that is used in the meal offering. And the meal offering always symbolized the fellowship with God. The meal offering always symbolized the dedication of one's life to serving the living God. The meal offering was always symbolizing of the welcoming heart and the hospitable heart that is open to the living God. In Genesis 18, 6, It was those three measures with a portion that Sarah had put together when she was baking bread for the heavenly visitors. In the book of Judges, chapter 6 and verse 19, Gideon put three measures of flour, then baked bread for the angel of the Lord. So what is the point of this parable? The point of the story is this. God's power, working supernaturally and invisibly and yet by faith, can do great and mighty things. The power of the kingdom of heaven is greater than its initial size. The power of the kingdom of heaven 
is greater than its initial appearances. The smallest part of the kingdom, when it is placed in a conducive environment, it has influence beyond its size. Why? Because it is the power of God's own spirit. Because God's power of the Spirit of God is symbolized here in 11. The power of the kingdom is the power of the king. That's really what it's all about. To say it with me. The power of the kingdom is the power of the king. Let's say it again. The power of the kingdom is the power of the king. And that same power is working in you, the Bible said. That same power is available to you. But the problem is in our culture, in our secular society, we think of all kinds of power. We implement and import and and bring into our lives and into our businesses and into our churches the powers that describe the news in the world. That power of the king plus the least among us equal a household of power, a powerhouse that cannot be defeated. And that is why I want to tell you, and I'll declare to you publicly, I do not understand those who say that God does not perform miracles anymore. Those who think that God is putting God in a box and say, now this is the way God must work. He works no other way. Those who rationalize their lack of faith by saying that denying the power of Jesus Christ, that it is the Bible said yesterday, today and forever. It is not was at some point, but not now. Many people, because of the fake healers and the false healers and the, and the miracle workers, they tend to deny God's miracle simply because somebody is fake and false. But that's not what the Lord is teaching us. Here's what He's teaching us today. That when the power of God comes upon the life of an obedient child, that when the power of God comes upon the remnant, that when the power of God comes to a surrendered life, that when the power of God comes to a broken life, that when the power of God comes upon a repentant life, when the power of God is exercised and faith is exercised, when His power is poured upon those who love Him, then it is a great power and mighty power, even in our cynical society today. When His power is fermented in the lives of those who welcome Him, those who receive Him, those who walk with Him, and those who fear Him, when His power is penetrating every area of your life, I don't care what it is, there is no private area that God is not allowed to get into. When His power and the power of His Holy Spirit are not grieved and quenched by sin and by disobedience, It will transform all the particles of the dough. How does it work? Well, please listen carefully. Because there is an order here, God does everything in order. There is a first and there is a second. First of all, the Lord leavens us. And then we are able to live in society. I will never understand and never accept or believe all those who are trying to do good without the power of God. It may be an imitation of the power of God, but I believe always, always, the power of God transforms an individual, and then the individual is able to transform society. I believe that first the power of God is displayed in us, and then we are able to display His power in the world. God first forgives us, and then He gives us the power and the ability to be able to say to somebody, I forgive you. 
First, God comforts us, says the Apostle Paul. Then we are able to go and comfort somebody else. First, He restores us, and then we are able to restore others. This is how it works. There are some people who love to put the cart ahead of the horse, but it doesn't work. Through this parable, the Lord brought a tremendous rebuke upon my life. As most of you know, I take time to be alone with God. And I pray, fast, seek the Lord. And I look at the text and study it and study it. And and then I said, Lord, you know, what do you want me to tell you, people? And not one time the Lord has ever failed me. It so graciously comes through again and again. But there are times when the Lord says, okay, put your pencil down. (laughs) I want to talk to you. You don't want to do that very often. (laughs) Because when he does, he does rebuke me, encourages me. And I want to tell you, I'm going to take the risk of being vulnerable and share this with you, praying that God will use it to bless your life, that God will use it to speak to your heart. For a long time, I think since ever the days of my beginning of my ministry, there's always been a prayer on my heart. And the prayer is very simple. Lord, get me out of the way. (laughs) Lord, get me out of the way or remove me in order that you may accomplish your purpose. That's always been my prayer. It is my private prayer, my public prayer. It is the desire of my heart. But here's the rebuke that the Lord brought to me into my life from this parable. The Lord says, if you are going to be the dough, if you are the dough, and I believe I am, then I must do the job. Praying and saying, Lord, get me out of the way, may be a nice, humble way to pray, but it's the wrong way to pray. As his leaven penetrates every area of this dough, as he penetrates every area of my life, then he can use me. Getting out of the way is not the answer. What the Lord taught me is this. Just as the leaven intermingled with the dough, until the distinction between the two has become imperceptible, Even so that I must allow the leaven of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in every part of my life if I am to serve His purpose. Look, you know and I know that God can do His work without any of you and without me. He can do it. He will do a better job, most likely. It's not a secret. But God chooses not to work this way. He chooses to work through individuals. He chooses to use individuals. So it is not for the individuals to get out of the way, but for the individuals to be consecrated, for the individuals to be filled of the leaven of the power of the Holy Spirit, for the individuals to allow that leaven to penetrate every part of my life in order that I might be able to show the way. And I believe this is consistent with Jesus saying in John 15, 4, Abide in me and I in you. Without me, you can do nothing. Now, of course, I can never deal with this parable without explaining to you the group of wonderful, godly, evangelical scholars who do not 
share this interpretation. And I want to tell you what they say, and you might like theirs better than mine. That's all right. There are some scholars who say that since leaven in the Old Testament is always associated with evil and corruption, therefore what the Lord Jesus Christ is referring to here in this parable is the corrupting evil that is going to invade his church, that is going to come into his church and is going to make the dough rise and swell. But in reality, it's a bad dough. It's a bad leaven. Well, there is no doubt in my mind that the visible church is not really the real church. There are so many people in the church who do not belong to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that there is corruption in many ways in the church. But it is in my personal judgment that this is twisting the clear reference here that the Lord Jesus makes regarding the positive influence of the leaven. I want to give you an illustration to show you that sometimes a negative symbol can be used positively. We know that in the scripture, the serpent is associated with evil. But in the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 8 and 9, people were dying. And God calls Moses and he said, Moses, I want you to make a serpent that is made of bronze. And I want you to lift it high up. And everybody who would look at that serpent is going to be healed. And Moses did. And those who obeyed the command of God were healed. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself in John 3.14 said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Therefore, the context always determined the symbolic meaning. And here in this parable, clearly, the leaven symbolizes the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom. When Jesus said in Luke 12, 1, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He was saying that leaven has power. Leaven and hypocrisy have powerful and pervasive influence. In Galatians 5, 9, Paul said that leaven has powerful and pervasive influence. Here's what he said. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, Paul said the same thing. And in Romans, what is he saying? That evil leaven has evil power. But good and godly leaven has good and godly power. In fact, Israel was asked to for one week a year remove all the leaven out of their home in order that they may only eat unleavened bread. Why? In order to remember the misery, in order to remember their sin, in order to remember their deliverance. And because of the pervasive power of the leaven, they were not allowed to bring it out of Egypt because that was bad leaven. They're going to start new. They're going to start afresh. And I want to tell you that your life and my life before Christ was filled with bad leaven, evil leaven. But our life after Christ has good and godly leaven. Your life before Christ and my life before Christ were influencing people for the wrong. Our lives after Christ is influencing people for righteousness. I want to explain to you another illustration from the practice of the Jewish people. When a Jewish girl gets married, 
Her mother gives her the most precious gift of all. She gives her a small of leavened bread, dough, that has just been mixed, literally, just before the wedding. Incidentally, I hear that young people today, also when they get married, they want dough. <laughs> but <laughs> not this type of dough. <laughs> but back then, leavened dough was a very special gift that a mother can give her daughter. And from that gift of leaven, the bride would batch bread for her household, week in and week out, year in and year out, and for the rest of her life. And then she passes it on to her daughter. Because to the bride, that precious gift of leaven that she got from her home remind her of the love and the blessedness and the joy of the household in which she grew up. And I want to tell you, and those of you who will identify with this will understand what I'm talking about. The greatest joy for a committed believer, for a committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest joy in the world is to see how his living, her living, is transformed into somebody else's life and produced a new life in Christ. There is no greater joy. It is sheer delight to watch people who rid themselves of the leaven of malice and bitterness and hatred and become filled with the leaven of love and joy and peace. The greatest blessings that a father or a mother has is when they see their children receive the leaven of the kingdom of God into their lives and then they begin to live a life of a raised new dough in Christ. There is no greater joy. There is no greater privilege. You can give them all the education in the world. You can give them all the money in the world. But the greatest joy is when you give them the leaven of life that the Lord Jesus has placed in you. You know, whether you know it or not, whether you agree with me or not, and whether you accept this or not, your life is a leaven. It really is. Your life has a leavening influence and power, whether you know it or admit it or not. Only sour leaven produces or makes sour bread. But Christ-centered personality, Christ-anchored personality, will produce Christ-centered influence, particularly upon those who are closest to us. Christ-centered life will produce Christ-centered lives. This is the real power that God has given you and has given me. And most times we don't know that we have it in us. The first train of thought we have is what is logical, what is acceptable, and what people are going to say about this, and all the other things. Instead of saying, Oh God, you promised the Apostle Paul that in my weakness, your power is perfect. What you do with the leaven that is placed in your life is up to you. How do you use the leaven that has been placed in your life? It's up to you. 
Some of you might not have received that leaven yet. You're still living in the world. You're still carrying on the leaven of corruption and the leaven of malice and of hatred and hypocrisy. Today, clean that out. I'm going to give you an illustration from real life. I pray to God that you'll understand the point here. This is the most incredible story I've ever read. Back in 1923, a group of six men have decided to gather together to celebrate their power. Between them, they controlled massive amount of money. They have enormous control, not only of wealth, but of power. And on one day, they agreed to meet in Chicago in order to celebrate this power, to revel in that power, to delight themselves in this power. And one historian relays what happened to those men in the years that followed, 1923, when they they did meet in Chicago and celebrate their power. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Number one, Charles Schwab was the president of the largest independent steel company. He lived on borrowed money for the last five years of his life and died penniless. Richard Whitney, the president of the New York Stock Exchange at the time, served time at Sing Sing Prison. Albert Fall, a former member of the president's cabinet, was pardoned so that he may go home and die in his house. Jesse Livermore, the great bear on Wall Street, committed suicide. Leon Fraser, who was the president of the Bank of International Settlement, committed suicide. Ivan Kruger, head of the world's largest monopoly, committed suicide. The power that they've once celebrated proved to be an illusion, a mirage. It's not power at all. The power that you can lose is not really power. Because the power of the good leaven is the only power that no one, no one, no one can take away from you. It is God's gift to you. I want to ask you today, which power do you pursue? Which power are you intrigued with? Which power do you possess and use? God wants you to have his power. Because when you have God's power, you will have power with God. And you're going to have power with men. And they have power with you. And that power. You can never lose. All the recessions and the depressions of the world cannot deprive you of it. The world collapse can never take that away from you. All the loss, you could never lose this one. The Spirit of God has been speaking to you. Say, Michael, I have found myself pursuing wrong kind of power, going down the wrong alleys. And i got nothing but frustration to show for it. But today, I'm glad to rediscover the real power. Power with God and the power of God. The greatest power that anyone can have. The Spirit of God has spoken to you. The Spirit of God has convicted you. I don't want you to leave this room without making that commitment to Christ. That you are not only going to discover, rediscover that power, 
but use it and be used by Him. I want to ask every heart, everyone who is here, who has never committed their life to Jesus Christ, say, Lord, I did not understand this. I come to you in repentance and I want you to forgive me my sins. I come to you and I thank you for receiving me. Now I receive you. I need the power of God, not my own power. I don't want the mirage. I want the real thing. Father God, your word never disappoints us. My words can cause headache and my words can mean nothing. Without the power of your Holy Spirit and the power of your word, Father, we can do nothing. And Father, I lift up to you every individual who wants to rediscover the power of God working in their life. The God who never disappoints us. Come upon their lives even now. Father God, I pray, show them the way. Father, use us in a mighty way that the world will sit and take notice and know that we speak of the heavenly power, not earthly power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.